Wow. Oh, honestly, feel it's, like I need to go for a cry now. <laughs> now you asked some great questions, and I mean, I love that because it, this is a hard topic, and unfortunately, we're all going to experience loss. Episode 497, for those who've lost a loved one. Dealing with grief with Marsha Earhart. The Awaken Your Alpha podcast, tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you. I'm Adam Lewis Walker, host of Awaken Your Alpha, now a best-selling book, Awaken Your Alpha, Tales and Tactics to Thrive. And it is my mission to share you the real stories, the useful stuff, the juicy stuff, and the reality of what it takes. Get to the podcast. This week on Awaken Your Alpha, we're going to be talking about grief and how to deal. It's very relevant, obviously, at any time in, in life, but especially with the sort of the situation in the world at the moment. And we've got Marcia Earhart on the line. She's the co-founder of the Sterling Rose Sanctuary. She's a life grief and trauma coach. So I want to dive straight into this. Marcia, are you ready to awaken your outfit today? I am ready and it's been awakened and I'm ready to do it with you now. Awesome. Um, that's quite a brief introduction I did for you and obviously people can get the full background on the show notes, but is there anything you'd like to add or highlight? What are you all about at the moment? For us, grief is about uh, finding the bridge instead of, instead of continuing to create barriers. So we're coming in to hedge off the barrier and create that place of where we have a bridge to move through and have some healing and hope. Okay. And where are you, just want to touch on your origins briefly as well. How did you get into this and where are you originally from? Where are you speaking to us from today? Um, I'm originally from Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm in Naples, Florida today. And um, I, I think sometimes the course of life picks you. You don't pick it. And I would have to say this has picked me. I had 17 significant losses from the time I was born till I was 18 years old and they were tragedies. And uh, I didn't even realize that I knew I had a lot of death that surrounded me in my early years of life because I was the baby out of four in my family. But it really didn't hit me until about seven years ago when we lost our oldest son to a tragic car accident. Oh, and about a, year, about a year after that, uh, the Lord just had me write, sit down and write out the losses I had had up until I was 18. And it was pretty staggering. And they were not your normal. They were, I mean, friend who, you know, our parents across the street that were close to us, their child passed and had died in a tragic accident. And he was ski gliding behind a boat. We happened to be at the lake at the same weekend. They're just, I mean, all of them were very tragic oriented losses and young people, a lot of young people. So after our son passed, we allowed for the trauma and the tragedy of our own life uh, to be a testimony of what can I mean, be worth. I mean, how old was your son when he passed? He was 21. He was in law school oh, and man. he was a life changer. And it, it's, um, it is a loss that is still profound today. In fact, this past Sunday was his birthday. And even in that, we go and celebrate. We had actually gone away as a family to do something in memory of him. And I think it's finding those things, Adam, in the midst of the brokenness to find beauty, to keep going. Yeah. You're obviously the co-founder of the Sterling Rose Sanctuary. And we were talking just before the interview about sort of where you want to go with this. And I mean, how long have you been doing this as your purpose and, you know, helping people with this? Well, prior to the coaching, I was counseling, did a lot of counseling. So I've been doing this a good portion of my life, helping people in tragic situations 
uh, where they are grieving, where there's a loss. And it just kind of shifted over to really walking in and being with families who have lost a child, sibling, or grandchild, because we, again, want to, we understand we are walking the journey. We know what it is to lose a child and to come alongside of those who are doing that. So we've been doing this fully since <clears throat> about our son passed in 2014 and 2015, we started, uh, we started being asked to speak with people, to talk with people, to work with people uh, because other people were kind of watching our journey. And then we established our foundation in 2017. There was a need for a shift and we had no idea how many people are out there that have lost a child, sibling or grandchild that don't have the resources that are overwhelmed, that feel very lonely in this journey. Yeah, having a, losing a child is absolutely is brutal for me personally. I mean, I can't speak for everyone. That's, that's probably one of my biggest fears. Um, I try not to think about it too much. But for you dealing with it, you know, not just in theory, not helping other people, but dealing with it personally. How how did or how do you deal with that level of grief? And it's that's a great question. And so you know, we just lost our second oldest child to murder in last October with his girlfriend. Um, it was a ex-boyfriend of hers and it was a crime of passion and they were murdered so we're dealing with this grief again as a family so how do you deal with it you have to face it um, and how do you face it you have to acknowledge the things that you're feeling you have to allow give yourself permission to grieve and in the grieving grieving is internal but in the grieving have external ways to do that which is mourning and for me um, there are times I will cry there to write. Um, I find what is therapeutic and that's what we try to help people within this process is to find what's therapeutic for you, what's healing for you, because what might make me heal may not make you heal. So there are different things in ways that we do. Uh, my husband ran, he would, you know, he was running before and he actually almost was, he felt crippled. Uh, after grief, your body keeps the score of what's happening, and he couldn't even run for a period of time. He was so overwhelmed with the initial loss of our first son. So we both had different ways of how we were coping um, in the sense of the external and the internal. And it's, for me, I'm very, you know, our family, we have a very strong faith. So it is, it is believing um, in the hope that we have it's receiving the healing that has been given um, through our faith. And it's really waking up and starting our day off with a dialogue of thankfulness and gratefulness, because if not, the precipice, it's a slippery slope. Yeah. You can be on that edge and go down very quickly. So again, it's in dialoguing with, you know, writing things out, I would write, I would just get it out and, and share my, my things. And I, I did a lot of internal my husband was very external. And even in that, we've learned that, you know, people are going to process this differently. But one of the reasons why marriages and families tend to fracture and break up and, and divorce happens is because everyone's overwhelmed. Yeah. They're overwhelmed. It's what do you do in the overwhelmedness? And so what we have learned is that in our overwhelmedness, we found that, okay, I had to sit down and because I had had counseling in, in my background and knew the skills of those, we sat down as a family and we talked about in this situation, this is a trigger. 
this cannot be discussed around these people because this is triggering. If you need to discuss this, this needs to be discussed with me. Or if you need to discuss that, that needs to be discussed with her. Or this may be something you need to talk to a counselor about. And we had to, we do a scale of one to five. Out of one to five, what's most important for you with the upcoming birthday or upcoming event of Christmas? What's going to be the most triggering to you? So understanding that each person coming in this group of this table in your family, what may be healing to you may be very triggering to me. So how do we allow for you to have that and be healed, but not trigger the other person? And you can do it, but it takes, and you're already mentally overwhelmed yeah. when you are in grief. So this is why it's good for us to kind of come and mediate this for families, because they're already trying to just process the fact that someone in our life is missing. It's like losing a limb. Yeah. And we're now supposed to process how we do life from here on in without that person and then every event that's coming up. And it really does happen fast. All of a sudden, you're at that first of everything. And so I, we intentionally planned for the first. Every first was completely planned out that first year. And we've done the same thing this year with our second son. Every first has been planned out. We have had something to do so that we're not, we're not just sitting in, in just depression, but we're really memorializing and celebrating his life and the purposes that need to continue on in our life because both of our sons were incredible individuals and they would want for us to be able to live the purposes out that we have even in their absence. And I think that's what is the hardest for most people to do afterwards because you just feel all the time like someone's missing and they are, but how do you go on with that person missing? Yeah. So you have to find the ability within yourself, those tools and the strategies and to have a safe community to do that with. Yeah. It's interesting you talk about different people triggered by different things and different people's approaches and obviously you've got to communicate about them because you know some people obviously want to talk about someone all the time and it makes them happy to remember them and then as like you say someone else when that person gets brought up it really upsets them and triggers them and wow yeah it's a very tough situation and you've got the fractures your approach the fractures going through all the letters and i know you've covered quite a few bits there face the loss and release pains could you just kind of break down the fractures of grief and the, the process for people and i think that might get, help people give some structure but you know great advice so far um well fractures is something that i created it's an acronym because when there's grief there's not just one fracture they're fractures yeah. what we have to recognize it's not just one fracture there are multiple fractures that happen within our life and so I felt like after we've walked through this, it would be good to have an acronym because when you're in grief, you really are overwhelmed and you need small, concise bite pieces in order to walk life for a while. It may take a long while. So fractures broken down, the F is to face the loss. And people go, well, what do you mean? Of course you're facing loss. No, I mean, you really have to be intentional you have to be introspective in facing the loss that you have. This is a loss that is profound. And in facing that, this is where you're going to have to have tools and giving yourself permission. And Adam, I cannot tell you how often when we're working with people, the first thing kind of as we start talking with them and I'm hearing them, I can tell whether they've given themselves permission or not. So mm -hmm. in facing the loss, that's part of 
give yourself permission to grieve this loss and do not allow the expectations of what other people put on you to define this. This is your journey. And we, we need for you to find your journey in the process for healing and hope. So that's the first thing. The second is the R is to release the pain. And you're like, how do you, okay, well, running, doing yoga, for some people, it is a meditation, quiet time, being in the scriptures. It's a way of releasing, whether it's hurt, pain, anger, frustration, all these words behind me where you're feeling defeated and rage. That's a way to release the pain. We even talk about scheduled grieving. And someone goes, what in the heck is scheduled grieving? Well, some people, they cannot grieve just like just in the moment. They really have to have a scheduled grieving every day where I know at five o'clock, I'm going in my room, I'm going to get some music on, I'm just going to get on my face, I'm just going to listen to this music, and I'm going to allow myself to cathartically release the pain that I've been holding and building up. And they spend time in that hour or 15 minutes, and what we say is start out with 15, 20 minutes, and then afterwards have something to do that is in celebration of the life that you have just grieved or the situation that you have just grieved. Cause it may not be a life. It may be a situation mm. that you're grieving. Um, so have something after that so that, and, and when you end that grieving time that of mourning, find things that you're thankful for. We always tell people end with a closure of thankfulness, because if you end in that place where you've just released everything, you feel yuck. You just feel, I just can't go on. There, yeah. There's. I was going to ask you know about dedicating a little you know time in your day to grieve. Does that help with? I would imagine if, if people are sometimes trying to get on with their day without kind of having that dedicated time for to grieve for that person, they'd almost feel guilty that they're carrying on and not thinking about that person. Does that does that help in kind of just sort of you feel like oh I you know I've done that I can get on with my day a little bit. Is there something um, part of you, just, you just you just hit it perfectly. You summed it up. Yes, there are many people. They're like, I I, I need to do these things, and I feel guilty because I, and I said, that's okay. Hmm. We we you can you can do those things, but you need to give yourself permission also in your day to be able to schedule that grieving. And what happens? What we have found is some people will start out and they'll work up to maybe thirty minutes every day. And then all of a sudden they'll notice that they're starting to lessen that amount of time because in the process, they're feeling that sense of healing. They're feeling that sense of, and when I say healing, we're never going to get over the loss. When you've lost a child, you will never get over that loss. You learn to manage the pain. You learn to manage the, and the, the hurts and you allow for different processes of healing to come in your life. We don't get over anyone that we lose in our life. I don't want to get over people that I love. Yeah. And I don't, but I also don't want it to lead me into a state of depression either and to where I'm ineffectual in my life and I'm disengaged from other people because that is dangerous. We still want to be engaged. I have other children that need my engagement. I have a husband that I still want to engage with and have life with. So it's almost like you're in the midst of drowning and you have to take hold of that, that, um, that life jacket that's been thrown to you and grab hold of it with everything you have and say, I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to this and I'm going to allow you to pull me out. I'm going to come out. Um, and so, but so releasing the pain is important. And then the A is to accept the reality. Um, and that, that may sound stark, but there are people that 
it takes a while because we're in shock. And I would say the first year, what we have really seen with the, the clients we've worked with, I would say shock lasts about a good year. It starts wearing off, and but it's it's accepting that reality that this person is no longer going to be physically present. Well, linked to that, I'm, I'm, I'm I this to be a whole thing. Have you ever had days where you know you wake up and you almost you forget? You have to almost like realize again, or do you know what I mean? Does that make sense? Or so someone like get, wakes up first thing and they just they forget that person's not there anymore. Oh, I, in the very, I would say that's quite often because, um, and especially dependent on the relationship that you've had. We were very close. Um, our, our oldest son actually was in law school that passed and he was living with us. And we had to move out of the house we were in because the presence, mm. we just kept expecting him to come back through that door. We yeah. just didn't. Uh, my husband worked, you know, where his office was and he would talk to him every morning before he would leave. And it was such an overwhelming sense. Yeah, that's brutal. It was brutal. And just, we were, we lived, he passed on the street that we lived on. He, it was on the same street as the law school. So we passed by his site every day that he, and it was just, and yet there were moments that you just want to pick up that phone call and call because it was so habit forming. And he was one of my best friends. He was one of my husband's best friends. We had transitioned into best friends. So you do, you wake up and sometimes and you're just like, oh, I can't wait to share this with, and you just, it's, it, yeah. you feel like the very life of you have been, has been sucked out. And, and I have to say, um, when we had that initial loss, I didn't realize for a while, but I wasn't breathing. Yeah, and well. one of the things we have to teach our people, you need to breathe. My breath had become really shallow and I would find myself gasping, like yeah. just for air, needing, needing the air. And I, I just remember going, what is wrong? And then I was like, I'm not breathing. And so I started doing something called the five, six, seven, and it's something we encourage um, people we work with to do, but I inhale for five seconds. I hold it for six and I exhale for seven because all the grief is contained in my lungs and in my body because I'm not exhaling deeply. And that stuff, that toxicity is remaining in my body. So if I breathe in deeply and I exhale and I, I would start doing this in the morning, my brain would be, I've got to start doing this early if when I wake up in the morning and I need to continue throughout the day to think, to breathe. And I, that may sound crazy, but I would have to think to breathe. Yeah. Um, because the impact is so much to our souls. Right. I feel like I need, I need this next uh, one on the fractures. So C. You give us the C, please. Count the treasures. Yeah. After we accept the reality, we need to count the treasures. Every day, there are things that, and just this past weekend, having celebrated Sterling's birthday, we just talked about the things we were thankful for, for him, and that I would never change it. I'm so thankful he was my son. He's the first one that made me a mom. Uh, just his humor, the things that I miss. Um, and you know cried but at the same time rejoice in the fact that we have this incredible relationship that i'll never ever forget that defined me truly it helped define who i am as a woman and as a mom because he was my first yeah and finding those things and not in the sense that 
well, if this hadn't happened, this because the what ifs are killers. So count the treasures. And initially, I think it's really important for people to keep a notebook of writing those things down because grief, the depression, all these words behind can overshadow the beauty of the relationship that you've had and the things that have developed through the years with your children. Yeah. And so right now, um, in October will be the one year mark for our son who was murdered. So it's coming up. So again, we've got this processing and we're still trying to help our younger two children process this because not one loss, but now two losses that have just been devastating yeah. and one to an accident and one to a murder. And they're very different. And one can go, well, how are they different? But they are. So the T in fractures is to talk out loud. Um, it has been shown um, through studies that talking out loud is part of the healing process because the more you talk out loud the story, the more your body, your mind, your heart, your soul is able to process the truth of what you're saying. So if I'm speaking, and it doesn't even mean you need to speak out loud to someone else, but to tell your story, mm -hmm. because the more you tell your story and the more you talk that out loud, the more that it becomes a part of the reality and you, you can understand it. Whereas if we don't and we're in denial, and a lot of times you'll see people that years down the road and you, they, they may say, wow, I lost my child and you think it's just been recently and it was 15, 20 years ago. The reason why is because they've probably not done some of those things to help with the healing process. Yeah. So you in, in the fractures is to uproot negative thinking. Cannot tell you, you've already, you know, talked about guilt is a negative thinking, the what ifs, it's a negative. We can't change any of the circumstances. So the what ifs can absolutely kill. So you've got to uproot all of that negative thinking and you need to replace it with positive thinking. You need to replace it with the things that are healing again. And we have very specific things to help our clients in doing that. And we work with them and we actually find those places that are negative thought patterns and we help them with the things they need to replace it when it comes in. And we talk it out with them because sometimes they just need to talk that out. And I'll say, so if you felt like, you had changed the tires or you had done this or whatever it was that they're saying, if I had done that, tell me how you think the outcome could have changed. And, and, you know, it's interesting because they're, they're like, well, they'd be here. And I went, and you're sure, because you, even if that wasn't the situation, you're sure. And so it's just, you know, it's helping them understand that we all want to be in control. We do. Yeah. When we, when we want to be able to know that something I could have done could maybe have changed that situation and they would still be here. And part of that up negative thinking is that it can absolutely be debilitating, Adam, if we don't deal with the negative thinking. It can completely rob us of engaging and doing life the way we need to. So we have to have a check in on how we're doing it. The R is to rest and renew your mind. And the mind is your biggest battle after losing someone and going through this loss. And in the sanctuary, we call it, um, and, and this is kind of in the midst of fractures, we have a five R's um, or six, six R's. The first one is that you have to remove yourself from the triggering environment in order to have rest and renewal. 
you have to remove yourself from that triggering environment. I was going to say, is that like when you had to move house, basically, for starters? Yeah, and we sat down and talked about it. My husband didn't want to move. All the rest of us wanted to move. Um, because I think for him, first of all, we were all, and it tells you not to, you know, they say, don't move, don't do anything in the first year, you know, after you've had a loss, that's true. But the reality is it was too heavy. It was too mm. much. And um, we sat down as a family, discussed, but we, it was important because even in counseling, one needs to remove themselves from a triggering environment. And we sat down and I said, this is a triggering environment, even though there's healing too, because he lived here and there, he, there's things about it. It's also very triggering. So you have to, you have to weigh it out, but to move, move yourself. The second one is to go to a place where you can have a reset. That's the Sterling Rose Sanctuary. We can reset. We want to help you reset. You may have a harder time resetting in the environment where there are triggers. That's just, I mean, that would be. Then rest. How do we rest? Well, if you remove yourself, then you allow yourself the mental, the physical, the emotional, and the spiritual that your body needs. And to provide that environment that would be healing to you to be able to have some of that rest. And then for the renewing of your mind, you've got to release that pain. And that's going to be a journey. But in the process, when we're working with our clients, it's helping them release the current pain that we're holding on to right now. Because there are layers of pain. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that, you know, there are layers that we're working. I was going to say, just moving to the, the E, the ebb and flow of grief. Yes, that is the ebb and the flow. And you've got to be able to know that this is like a dance. You've got to come and go with it. And you cannot, in one moment, you may be laughing and the next minute sobbing at the table because something all of a sudden just hit you and you need to be okay with that. And you need to have friends and community that's safe where you can do that. It comes out of nowhere. Um, I, I can tell you, I remember seeing uh, two boys, um, a young, uh, uh, two sons together uh, or brothers together. And I just started crying because it reminded me of my oldest with my youngest and he had his arm around the little brother. And here I was having a great time and I just started crying because that would no longer be something I would see again. Yeah. How, how many years apart were they? Um, Steele and Sterling were nine years apart and Sterling and Steele were best of friends. And my daughter, who's now, well, Steele's now 18 and Victoria Scott, who at the time would have been uh, 16, um, they were all best friends. And so they lost not just their brother, but their best friend. And um, they lost their community of his community. So the, the last one is to speak healing over your soul. And this is kind of, it's been interesting because as we share that, everyone goes like, I've never thought of that. And it's really key and very important. Um, I started speaking over my mind. I would start speaking over my lymphatic system. I would start speaking over my heart, speaking over my lungs, over every single body part that can hold and contain grief. I would start speaking healing over it. And I would, I would commit it back to the Lord just to bring healing. And I can tell you it was life-changing because grief has a way of webbing itself into our very fiber. And I did not want that to diminish the ability of my health, my mental, emotional, spiritual, and physical health. And grief right now is the number one element for mental health problems. Over 77% of our workers who are seeing people with mental health, it's all related to grief of something in their yeah. life. 
Blimey. Well, that was very thorough. I'll just, I'll just recap the, the fractures or framework. So F, face your loss, loss even. R, release the pain. A, accept your reality. C, count your treasures. T, talk out loud. U, uproot negative thinking. R, rest and renew your, your strength. E, ebb and flow with the grief. And S, speak healing over your soul. And we put the, the details, we put your details on the, the show notes as well if you want to follow that out. But that was, you know, thank you for taking us through that, you know, very thorough framework. And I think it's important when you're, you're feeling lost and feeling like extreme grief and some very traumatic s- situations to have some kind of something to grab hold of and some kind of process. Mm-hmm. So, def- yeah, thank you for that. That was, uh, you know, some of that stuff is very, it's quite tough to hear as well. <laughs> so um, we'd like to wrap this up with an alpha round. So I want to ask you if there's ever... Um, an impactful book that you've read in your life that was the, the right book at the right time. And it may have nothing to do with what we've been discussing. It may have been before, you know, quite a bit of this trauma, or it may have been, you know, very relevant. I think there are two books that come to mind that are absolutely, um, Francine Rivers, um, Redeeming Love is one of them. Um, it's about loss. It's about love. It's, it's a beautiful, beautiful story. The other one is The Shack um, by William Young. And for people that have, gone through any kind of loss in their life or I mean and we all are going to go through loss it's a matter of whether you're being real with yourself but another again another beautiful story the shack and just the redemptive life that we have that we are able to have in the midst of such brokenness in this life of of such grievous circumstances that our life may seem to be over but it's not there's still beauty um, to behold. And I want to behold that beauty. I do. Um, my children are part of that beauty. Yeah. I mean, it, it sounds like you almost said plenty of things there that are quote worthy, but is, is there a particular favorite quote of yours that really sums up your approach to life? You need to have, I guess for me, my, my quote in life is it's kind of like dessert before the meal. Um, that you really seriously that we don't always need to wait till after the meal for our dessert. So start and start and finish well and finish well means that you can have dessert before the the main course because we don't always need to wait till that. Let's not always put off. So don't put off today. Don't put those things off that you can do. And um, it's carpe diem. Live your life, live in the fullness of it. Seize the day. I am a seize the day person. This day will never be offered to you and I again. So I want to seize every moment I have and I want to live out my passions and my purposes. And I want to glorify my Lord in how I do life. So seize it, go for it. And don't let those things hold you back. And if they are, then get in touch with someone like us that can help you so that you can start seizing again what you feel has been robbed from you. Well, on that note, what is the best way for people to connect with you if they want to continue the conversation? SterlingRoseSanctuary.us. We also have a phone number, 239-571-6662. And we are available on either of those. They can reach us through our website and they can reach us through a phone number. And we are a free resource. So... We're here for them. We'd love to walk the journey with them and go side by side. Marcia, thank you so much for your time today. It's been a really important episode. Well, thank you so much, Adam, for having me today. I've thoroughly enjoyed being here. 
the Awaken Your Alpha podcast. Tracking down the finest alpha minds on the planet for you. Increase your influence, income, and impact. If you've ever thought a TEDx talk is something that would be cool to do and then help share your message, please do head over to talkaccelerator.com. That's talkaccelerator.com forward slash masterclass and you can get this completely free training masterclass on how to become a TEDx speaker and thought leader without desperately chasing and wasting your time on the wrong opportunities. It really digs into the three key secrets to landing your own TEDx talk. All right, have a great week. Amplify your message and amplify your mission. Do the little guy a favor, subscribe and review. It'll help get him off my back.